United Church of Christ presents How Can We Know the Way? A reflection by the Reverend Jean Randall Bodman, presented on Sunday, May 10th, 2020. Several years ago now, I was doing a work project with some youth on the Yakima Reservation in South Central Washington. I love the landscape of that place. The reservation is in a valley that's boundaried by long, low ridges, one to the south and one to the north. And on the west, it's boundary by Mount Adams, which stands sentinel there. I love the heady late summer scent of hay and hops and mint. I love the quality of light, common to high dry country. I was visiting there and I was admiring the beauty of the place to the director of the mission where we were serving. He had moved up from California with his wife and he said to me, yeah, as soon as Belinda and I saw it, we thought, this is it. We could die here. It felt like a glass of cold water right to my face. I had never heard someone say that about a place before, but I had felt the exact opposite when we moved to Oregon. We moved here from a place that we loved and a beloved community of friends. We moved from the town where Jacob was born and where Caleb started school. We moved from 300 days of sun every year to the land of the six-month drizzle. In our first long, dark winter here in Portland, I was haunted by this thought. What if I die here? It will be as if I have never lived. Now that I love Oregon, now that I'm happy to be living here in the land that is perpetually green, it's hard to remember what that initial horror felt like, but I was so deeply homesick for the entire first year that we lived in Oregon. I was homesick for my friends and my chosen family and church in Boulder, and I was twice as homesick as I had been before for my first home in Pennsylvania, for my parents and my siblings and my friends there. I was twice as homesick because it was an even longer flight from Portland to Philly, because the one extra hour of time difference made connecting by phone so much harder. And because I had welcomed my family and my friends into my home in Boulder. When they imagined me, they could imagine me there. But who could imagine me here? So, when my parents scheduled a visit towards the end of that first year, I went into overdrive, preparing my home to welcome them. I bought new sheets and new uh, bedspread for the bed in the guest room. I put flowers and their favorite magazines on the bedside table. I planned the menu for the week with exacting care, all their favorites. I made sure that we had the brand of coffee that they like best and the kind of sweetener that they use. I flew around the house, dusting and vacuuming and filling vases with flowers. I wanted every single thing about my house to show how happy I was to have them there, how much I loved them and how deeply I had missed them. I also wanted their presence to make my house feel like my home. 
On the third night of that first visit, I made my father cry. I hadn't seen my father cry in years. All I did was serve some pie, some strawberry rhubarb pie. That pie tasted so much like home to my father, like the home that his mother had made, that he wept for the sweetness of it and the longing in it. Who among us has not, at one time in our lives or another, longed for a home that we have left behind, for the place where we are seen and recognized and loved? Today's gospel reading, with its mixture of tenderness and sternness, made me wonder what those first hearers were experiencing, what Jesus's words about preparing a place meant to them. And I wonder how God might be speaking to us in our current moment when we are all longing for the time before the pandemic, longing for the time that felt more like home to us. This passage is familiar to many of us. We hear these comforting words at memorial services. In my father's house are many dwelling places. But it's also familiar because it contains one of what I like to call the clobber texts used to define Christianity as exclusivist. No one comes to the Father but by me. Ripping this one sentence out of its context removes all the reassurance from the words and reverses the original intent. It is not a passage that proclaims the exclusivity of Christianity that no one on earth can find God unless they know Jesus. It is a part of a promise of particularity. You, Jesus says, my beloved disciples, will know God through me. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And their hearts were troubled because the context of this long speech, and we just heard the first part of it today, the context is that it is Jesus's last night with his disciples. It is the night when he washed all their feet, the night when he named Judas as the one who betrayed him, and then watched Judas go out to do just that, with the blessed bread still clutched in his hand. It was the night when Jesus predicted that within just a few hours, Peter would deny him. The night he told them they couldn't go where he was going, not yet. The night he gave them a new commandment, love one another. At the end of that beautiful, troubling evening, he said to them, don't be afraid. You can't follow me now, but the reason that I am going is to prepare a place for you. I'll come and I'll get you and I'll take you to it. We won't be going back to where we were before, but forward. We're like the disciples. We will not be going back to the way that life was before. That's not how human life ever works, no matter how much we may all long for it. Jesus's promise to go ahead and prepare is also for us though. Jesus promises a dwelling place. That phrase, dwelling place, is sometimes translated as rooms or even mansions. But the root word, meno, means to abide. 
And it's used repeatedly in John to talk about the relationship of abiding together. Jesus is preparing abiding places. In the ancient Near East, which is the culture that the disciples are hearing out of, in that culture, when people traveled, there were no Marriott's or Best Westerns. What there were were rules and customs of hospitality. So in every village, at least some houses would have abiding places where visitors could sleep temporarily and take shelter. Jesus is going and preparing an abiding place that will offer welcome and shelter and a relationship of ongoing presence, not for one night on the road, but continually. He reassures the disciples that they know the way to get there. Thomas, wonderful Thomas, who always wants to know exactly what a thing means and where he stands, blurts out, but we don't know where you're going. How can we know the way? Of course, it isn't that kind of dwelling place. It's not the kind that you can get to by walking down the correct road and turning in at the right house in the village. It isn't the kind of dwelling or abiding place you can prepare with flowers and favorite foods, not even the ones that are nostalgia-inducing. I am the way, Jesus says. The promise is one of shelter and welcome, not in a room, but in an ongoing relationship of abiding together. And Jesus had showed them what that meant earlier in the evening when he stooped down to wash their dusty feet and stood up again and said, what I have done to you, do to each other. Love one another. Living as we are in liminal space, the time between, the time between no COVID and a vaccine or cure for COVID, we may well be longing to go back home to the time before. We may well be longing, I know I am longing, to race forward to the time after. But here we are in the middle with this story and this promise. I am the way, I prepare for you, love one another. We don't know our destination right now. We don't know if gathering in person for worship will ever look exactly like it did before the pandemic, or if it will be much like it was, but just also include online access. We don't know what the country will look like after COVID-19 has done its work. We don't know how many will fall ill, how many will die, what will happen to the economy, how our communities and national culture will be changed, whether we'll be changed more for the worse or for the very much better by what we have had to endure and learn and rise up to do together. But we know the way we are meant to stay on, the way of foot washing, the way of love, love as tender, caring service, not just to those who are easy, but even to Judas and Peter, the ones who betray and deny, and the other 10, the ones who so often just don't get it. When we live in this way, loving one another and continually expanding 
who we include as part of one another. We are connected to our longed for homes of the past. We are connected to the place of abiding within the heart of God, both now and in life after life. We're connected to one another in the one web of life. As we face the next months of uncertainty, hold fast to the tender promise of God's abiding presence. Hold fast to one another and hold fast to the way that is true and life-giving. Hold fast to love. Listen, listen, listen.